members, we welcome you and are excited about what God is going to do here through you. 1 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. I'm glad I don't have to come up with original thoughts on installation. In fact, I don't see any installation services listed in the scripture, but I do see an installation message probably all throughout 1 Timothy, but I'd like to direct our attention to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I, um, I did hear about a newly installed pastor, and he wanted to make, wanted to do endear himself to the church, but he wanted to challenge him at the same time. And so on his first Sunday, he gets up to preach and he says, Church, I, I have three messages, but I don't know which one to preach. I have a, and he held it up, and he says, I have a $100 sermon that will last five minutes. I have a $50 sermon that will last 15 minutes. And I have a $20 sermon that will last 60 minutes. I've decided to let you decide on it, so we're going to take an offering. <laughs> I'd call that a pretty clever a new pastor, wouldn't you? Uh, I wish I could be that brilliant to think of things like that. But um, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, Paul is addressing his young convert, Timothy. That's not our case here. Uh, uh, in that they're old and young, yes, but not my convert for sure. And um, I want us to see one verse... It's the last verse of chapter 4. And then I'd like us to break that down by looking at some of the key aspects. I've entitled the message, The Priorities of a Pastor and the Promises that Come from Fulfilling Those Priorities. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's stand together in respect for the reading of God's word. And we'll read just the last verse. I call it a summary verse of what Paul is conveying to young Timothy, who, as you probably are aware, is getting ready to take over the pastoral role at the church of Ephesus. Like every church, the church at Ephesus had challenges. um, And Paul wanted to give him some very important information. Verse 16, chapter 4. The Bible says, take heed unto thyself, Paul talking to Timothy, and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I want to tell you where I'm going, then I want to go there today, but I see three priorities here. Take heed to thyself, Timothy. Take heed unto the doctrine, that's the second priority, and um, continue in both of them. And then notice there are two promises listed in the verse that um, you will not only demonstrate salvation in yourself, but you will be a great encouragement for others that are saved and others that need to be saved of what really genuine salvation is all about. Three priorities, two promises, and 
I pray that you would understand this morning that we're not talking to just Pastor and Mrs. Schaefer. We're talking to all of us, and I hope to make application that will uh, be evident to all of us here, especially as we finish our morning service together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You are a strength. And I call upon your strength today to convey the truth of this passage and of really this chapter, that it would be an encouragement and it would be a challenge to not only the Schaefers, but to each of us. Lord, we thank you for giving us the privilege to know you, to have an intimate relationship with you. And we just ask now that you would minister the truth to our hearts and that we would be willing to respond as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I want us to note first the priorities, the priorities that are listed here. And notice the second word, take heed. That word heed has the idea of holding on to, to apply, to retain something. It's a serious word. I read one commentator say this chapter ought to be about the seriousness, the absolute seriousness of being a pastor of a local congregation. It is serious, serious stuff. But you notice, and you may found it interesting, it may have even gave you a little shock this morning, when it says, take heed unto thyself. He's talking to Timothy. Now I want you to know that he is not saying, Timothy, be careful, make sure you self-indulge yourself. He's not saying, Timothy, be narcissistic, self-focused, self-concerned, those kinds of things, which is, by the way, an epidemic in our world, would you say? But he's really talking about this phrase, Timothy, take heed unto thyself, be self-disciplined. This is where I'd like us, if you have your Bible open, to look at chapter 4, because prior to the, ver- the last verse that gives us kind of a summary of things, he gives us two areas, self-discipline from some things and self-discipline toward some things. So look with me quickly. I'm going to go right along here. The first one is found in verse 1. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Timothy, Timothy, Pastor Schaefer, all of us today, let's be self-disciplined about being a deserter and being discouraged by others that desert the church and faith. You're well aware, I think, that it's happening at an alarming rate in this day and age. And there can be a lot of discouragement. I think the more blogs and the more emails you get, probably the more it increases. But it is important for you and I to understand that self-discipline doesn't exist because of what somebody else does. 
It exists because of what Jesus Christ has done. It exists because he is our strength, and his strength is made perfect in whose weakness? Our weakness. So don't, don't let others and the choices they make discourage you. It's very, very challenging, especially, I think, when it's somebody near and dear to us. Near and dear. And you see them stiff-arm the Lord, reject the church, and go quickly the other way. Self-discipline, Timothy. Be self-disciplined. Look at the end of verse 1. It says this. Giving heed to seducing spirits. And maybe I'll tie them together in doctrines of devils. I actually have two things here. That seducing spirits um, is that aspect that you and I understand. That we all live in a public world. Here we are in our public world. But right inside here is a private world. It's the most important world. It's the spiritual world. And Satan is not out just to get us off track in a physical sense. He's off, he desires our heart to move away from God and toward himself, the world, the flesh, the devil. Would you agree? That is exactly what he wants today. And so Paul is giving a strong admonition and warning here to young Timothy that be careful about seducing. That word literally means deceiving spirits, deceiving spirits. The enemy, and I would say this to you, Pastor Schaefer, sometimes in the ministry, it's tempting to look out and see somebody that's maybe causing some difficulties or challenges for you and begin to think that the enemy is that person. I want to remind us all, the enemy is never somebody else. The enemy is also the devil. And what he is trying to do to deceive and to discourage and to distract us from doing what God would have us to do. We lose the effectiveness of ministry when we lose the insight that everybody in God's economy is salvageable. We must keep praying. We must keep ministering. Mrs. Sheely, I won't ask her to share this, but she shared a wonderful testimony that her and her husband were prompted to go see his uncle, was it? This week. What day was it? Yesterday. And the uncle was in the hospital and very sick. And they went, and as typically happens in a hospital, there were all kinds of distractions, people coming and going, other relatives and all this and that. But the Lord provided an opportunity for them to share the gospel with this uncle. He was unable to speak because of all the devices that were on him to help keep him alive. But he grabbed their hand. And when they finished giving the gospel, he squeezed it in recognition that he trusted Christ as Savior. 
They left the hospital, and later that day, later yesterday, he passed away. Amen. The enemy wasn't the uncle. The enemy is Satan. And he wants to keep us from obeying the promptings, and I'm glad you obeyed. I'm glad you obeyed. And he wants us to be diligent to not give up on anyone. It truly is the spiritual battle. Then you notice it says in that verse 1, doctrines of devils. And I got to thinking, what in the world would the doctrine of the devil be? Here is my perspective put in 21st century vernacular. My comfort, my way, my life. Selfishness, self-centeredness. And the Satan is desperately desiring for us to get consumed. Have you ever noticed that the more discouraged and depressed we become, if we get that way, we become more self-centered? Satan is in the midst of all of that, wanting to discourage and defeat us by letting us think on ourselves. As I think... One of the speakers said last week, we're all a mess. That's a pretty endearing statement, isn't it? We're all a mess. A lot of other ways to say it. Our hearts are deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? God can. God can. What are we doing to not allow our way, our desires, our preferences, our interests to get in the way of ministering to others. I believe that's the doctrine of devils. Notice verse 2. Verse 2 of chapter 4. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. The only way you and I can avoid lies is by staying centered and focused and daily what? In truth. This is only truth. All truth. Cover to cover. And we get off and we begin to believe lies when we begin to listen to all those voices out there, sometimes even spiritual voices. I heard about a young seminarian who just graduated from seminary a few years back, and he was invited out to California. And he went out, and on the way back, he decided that he would stop in Salt Lake City, Utah. And he had a friend there. I have a friend named Pastor Bickle in Layton, Utah, right outside of Salt Lake. And the same thing happened to me. This young man goes to the Mormon tabernacle, and they love to give tours. They love to give you the Book of Mormon, never the Bible. And um, he came out of there with tears in his eyes, thinking about the, the deception And the lies that people are believing in supposedly a spiritual environment. Liars are everywhere. Why? Because the devil is the father of lies, is it not? That's what the Bible says. Notice something else here in verse 2. We're talking about, don't lose track, how to take heed unto ourselves by being self-disciplined from deserters, 
seducing spirits, doctrines of devil, liars. Notice the last thing in verse 2. It says, their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's a pretty apt description of what it means to be branded. Have you ever seen them brand a cow? When I lived a few years in Texas, uh, Texas are big on cows and their cows are big. And um, they, uh, they literally have branding irons still that they do or they pierce their ears through. They have a couple of approaches. But um, it's a permanent mark. It's a permanent mark. And I want to remind us, pastors have a conscience. By the way, a, a word that would be a, a synonymous to conscience would be our soul, the real you and me. And that conscience can be seared by not dealing with the little things, the thoughts that come our way, the negativity that comes, the bitterness, the lack of forgiveness. All those things have a tendency to sear our conscience, sear our soul. Let's do everything we can to not be branded with a seared conscience. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. By the way, we could spend time and a lot more time on all of these, but I want, I'm trying to draw attention to the summary verse, take heed unto thyself. Look at verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Here's self-discipline from those that would make relationships that God has established off limits to certain ones. Do we know of any denomination that does that today? I think we do. And we see all the problems that have come by not following the word of God. I think it's what's interesting to me is the whole thing about the meats, the food. And I just wrote uh, this down there, that we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by what we avoid in the way of food. Now, we ought to eat wisely. We ought to eat healthy. But the point that Paul is trying to make to Timothy here is, be self-disciplined about those that get off on extreme tangents. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Extreme tangents. Then notice verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. This is going to launch us into the next thing, but self-discipline from, someone said it this way, I thought was good, irreverent, irrelevant, silly myths. Things that make no difference. Have you ever noticed how easy it is and how great Satan is at trying to get us to get off on some goofy thing that's going on in the world, even under religious guise, and miss what Jesus has done through the gospel and how he wants us to live humbly by grace. That's how you get grace, by the way. And the, and the significance and the importance of you and I staying focused on the truth. But you could tell even in Timothy's day in the church of Ephesus, there were those that were propagating all their opinions and all their myths and all their theories and everything like that. 
and missing totally the main thing. Lastly, I find in verse 8, these are what Timothy was to be self-disciplined from. Look at verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. I think this is a biggie, and I've written it down this way. Those that prioritize the physical over the spiritual. This doesn't say bodily exercise is worthless, but it profits little. I don't know if that means profits little in that three score and ten were dead compared to eternity. I guess it could mean that. But I think really also it means not being consumed with the physical, and it takes up most of our time during the week. I was sharing as we were finishing up our series on the soul from Psalm 25, lift up thy, uh, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I was sharing how in America, churches are in decline. Have you noticed what's happening to fitness centers? You with me? Now that can be a factor for Christians. And Paul is saying, Timothy, be self-disciplined. Do some exercise. Eat okay. But don't get consumed with those things. Stay focused on the spiritual things. So what, what are the spiritual things? Well, that's the second part of this. Take heed unto thyself. And that is self-discipline towards something. We find it in verse 8. For bodily exercise profit little, but what? Godliness is profitable unto all things. Why is godliness so profitable? Because it's not short term. It's long term. We build our future on our past. And so understanding the significance of living godly. Holiness ought not to be a foreign word to us as believers. We ought to live holy in every aspect of life. We ought to be asking ourselves, are my choices reflecting the holiness of God? I'm always challenged by the verses that we repeat that have become so routine, I'm afraid we miss it. The 1 Corinthians 10 says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do what? All to the glory of God. Eating and drinking has something to do with the glory of God. Yes. What I wear has something to do with holiness. What I listen to, what I put on my um, technology, all of those things. Where I go, everything. Godliness is profitable unto all things. He says, Timothy... Young pastor, be self-disciplined toward godliness. You say, well, that's so obvious, pastor. Really? I would agree. It's obvious, but not easy. Not in the world in which we live. I remind you, Satan walketh about like a roaring lion. What? Seeking whom he may devour. There's a lot of people he's already devoured and already following him. I think what's important is understanding that he's out to get you and I off track. Aren't you grateful that he can't take away your salvation? If you're a genuine believer here today, you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are eternally secure. 
But he does want, he does want to get you to waste your life. To give up on what's godly and right for compromising and for things that he, he gets the glory. Satan I'm talking about rather than God. How important it is. Notice verse 10. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. I'm sorry, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we what? What do we do, church? Trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. We know the importance of faith. We talk about it all the time. We say we live by it. But I guarantee you, Pastor, that sometime you probably already experienced this in your ministry. By the way, if you don't know Pastor Schaefer, he didn't come here out of college. He's had the experience of being an associate pastor and a senior pastor prior to this. 11 years, I think we calculated, wasn't it? And um, so he comes to us, but I want you to know, I want all of us to know, you can't please God without living by faith. I'm challenged every day when I think about in what way is Bob Francine living by faith? I mean, really. You say, well, what should I do? Step out by faith. Do some things. You're giving. Giving of your time. Giving of your talents. Well, I don't think I can do that. Probably not, but God can through you. What are you doing by faith? How are we living by faith? This church is going to have to take steps of faith in the future. It ought not to be an exception in our life. It ought to be the way that we function and live. I mean, genuine faith, not, not verbal faith, acting out, living out faith, what we're talking about here. Trust in the living God. But I see another one, verse 12. We talk about take heed unto thyself. Neglect not the gift. I'm sorry, boy, I can't read the verse here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, conversation, that means conduct, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Here was my last thing to take heed to thyself towards something, and that's toward exemplary living of a genuine believer. God wants us to be an example to one another, and we pastors have an awesome responsibility. Do you live in a glass house? Yep, sure do, sure do. Our example makes a difference. What kind of example are we setting as a church body? I'm not talking about just when we come to church. I'm talking about wherever we go throughout the week. Notice the second priority. That was the first. Take heed to thyself. Be self-disciplined from some things and towards some things. But notice the next phrase is pretty obvious there in verse 16. He doesn't say take heed, but the implication is there. And take heed unto the doctrine. 
that word means, that idea is teaching of truth. I'm so grateful for the testimony that Pastor Schaefer brought here about loyalty to, passionate about, focused on living by the truth of the Word of God. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. You can't get off base. You can't begin to get entangled with other things. You've got to stay focused on the Word. You know, it's a challenge today to not talk about current events. I mean, I've lived 68 years. I don't ever remember the word coronavirus before. I'm sure it's been there. I missed it. I don't know. But new things come up all the time. And it's easy to get focused on all those things. I was glad, and I, as he shared with you, he has a wonderful thing on Facebook, uh, a video talking about not the coronavirus, but the truth that you and I can rest on scripturally and graph the word, live in the word, meditate on the word. Chris would say, memorize the word. I would say, memorize the word. Stay in it. Men, no sports on TV today. Instead of watching Hallmark with your wives, I'd encourage you to read the Word more. It's for all of us. I remind you that this take heed business to yourself and to the doctrine is, yes, it's directed to Timothy, a young pastor, but it really relates to all of us. The doctrine. Pastor Schaefer, last week, there were testimonies. And there were three things out of those testimonies that spoke to me. And this is not about me. But what people remembered from the pastor. Here were the three things. Many of you were here last week. You can verify these. First of all, the preaching of the word of God faithfully. I mean, there were some people. Kevin King talked about that message on Onesiphorus. I'm glad he didn't say, hey, pastor, what were your main points? That had to be from what, 15, 20 years ago? And I'm not talking about the impact of my message. I'm talking about the impact of the word. Preach the word. That's what people ought to remember. Not our personality. Not our pet peeves. Not our opinions. But the truth of the word of God. Here was the second thing that was significant to me. How many people shared about ways in which the pastor participates with them, particularly in difficult times, trials, sicknesses, hospitalizations. And I I will tell you, I've never found them to come at a convenient time. Never come at a convenient time. You that were here, would you agree? A lot of people talked about that. And again, I'm not pointing to me. I'm pointing to Pastor Schaefer about what I heard from others last week that were significant years after they happened. Preaching, participating, and the third thing I heard was praying. Praying for 
and praying with. Church, we must be prayer warriors. We must be disciplined in our prayer life to give God the preeminence, to call upon Him. Melissa, was it worth all those years of praying? Amen, huh? We don't know the timing, but the promise is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, what? Availeth much, much. One other thing about doctrine here that I see, look at verse 14. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That's the priorities. Priorities. Reading. Holding on to the truth. Giving ourselves to exhortation. That's the idea of calling alongside, ministering to, to doctrine. Then he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Spiritual gifts. Every member in this church, Schaefer's, have gone through a new member class. And that new member class includes at least one time of meeting on spiritual gifts. And it's a big deal because spiritual gifts, if you understand your gift and you are utilizing your gift, it'll give you, the believer, the greatest fulfillment. And it will provide the greatest benefit to the body of Christ. Paul saying, Timothy... Don't neglect the gift. God's the one that gifts us. We don't gift ourselves. We don't pick our gift. We don't buy our gifts. It's God that does the gifting. What are we doing? But notice, as we finish this morning, two priorities. Take heed to thyself. Take heed unto the doctrine. But now notice the promise in verse 16. In for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, you've got to be careful. That is not a call to works salvation. In fact, maybe the passage that helps us understand this is Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, what? It's the gift of God. Not of, not of what? works lest any man should boast but then what's it say in verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus the, the, the truth here is that Paul is saying to Timothy he's saying Timothy is your life showing the works of a genuine believer do you realize that your life, your testimony, will impact people maybe to get saved? And if people are already saved, to stay focused on the Lord and spiritual things? That's what's really being said here. It's not a call to earn salvation by something that we do. It's a call to, now that you are saved, Timothy, I led you to the Lord. Now I need you to go down to Ephesus and live like it. And demonstrate it. And pray like it. And witness like it. And preach like it. 
and care for people like it, like the Lord Jesus cared for those on earth. You might ask yourself, how do I do that? Notice what it says here. Just before doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. He says, continue in them. Have you ever noticed that starting and continuing are quite different situations? Have you ever started something and found it hard to finish? Boy, I can name some things. But the priority Paul is saying here, Timothy, I don't want you to go down to Ephesus and be a flash in the pan. I want you to go down there and I want you to start strong, stay strong, continue strong, and finish strong. And you know, in looking at the passage in chapter 4, I want to draw your attention as I close here. Three times in 1 Timothy 4, Paul uses the phrase, these things. Did you notice it? Now, we didn't read them all, but look at verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. You know how you and I continue? By continually reaching out to help others remember truth. Parents, every day is an opportunity to help your children remember truth. Even in wrong choices that we make and children make, use those, capitalize on those to teach the truth, to encourage them to learn from that, to not do that again in God's strength. Notice verse 11. Verse 11. These things command and teach. Not only... Do we need to be faithful to help others remember truth? We need to be passionate about it. And we need to realize you and I don't speak with any authority in ourselves. What's our authority? The Word of God. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It never returns void. It always accomplishes what, we, what it pleases. The importance is you and I <clears throat> command and teach these things. But then notice verse 15, the last one here, right before verse 16 that we focused on. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. You and I had a talk recently about Joshua 1.8. I don't know why I've been thinking about that verse, that familiar verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And that first phrase caught my attention. Wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to take this book and speak it out of our mouths all the time? What does it say? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. No period. That's important. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's not the end. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then, if then... Thou shalt, what? Prosperous. Be prosperous. Meditate. Church, 
Everything that we've talked about doesn't just involve Pastor and Mrs. Schaefer. What are we going to do to help him, them take heed to themselves and us by example to take heed unto ourselves? What do we need to be self-disciplined from and self-disciplined toward? None of us has arrived when it comes to those issues. I encourage you, evaluate your life and ask, where do I need to step up my disciplines for the Lord? Teaching. When you come, you have your Bible ready? Are you looking at it? Be careful if you lose an electronic device. They have a tendency, what do they call them, pop-ups? Pop-ups are distracting. Don't let it do that. And listen with affirmative response. You know, through the years, it's been a blessing to preach here, teach here. And you know, Everybody standing up in front of somebody appreciates affirming. You can yell out amen. I like that. But you know what? Sometimes it's just a nice smile. Yep. Yep. Right on. That's the truth. You're not affirming the pastor. You're affirming the truth. The truth of what the pastor's giving. That makes a difference. That really is key. How important it is. The Bible says in James 4, draw nigh to God, and what? He will draw nigh to you. I want us to finish this way this morning. I, um, I have three books here that I think relate to the points of 1 Timothy 4.16. You and I have talked about this one. I actually got it for you in an audio book version. Margin. How many of you, anybody read Margin? Oh, good. Several read Margin. By way of illustration, if you're a piece of paper, it's good to leave some white space along the side. Have you ever noticed you get discouraged if some page you're reading is just filled with print? Overwhelming? Too much? That's true of life. Take heed to thyself. Another book that has been particularly significant and I think deals with 1 Timothy 4.16 is this book by Paul David Tripp, Dangerous Calling. It's written by a pastor to a pastor. Two years ago, I was halfway through it when I had a stroke. And I will tell you, this is one of the most impacting books I've ever read. Because the danger in being a pastor is not your congregation. It's not your deacons. It's not whether you've got a good security team going on. The danger in pastoring is forgetting how frail and sinful and easily distracted we can be. And the second point he makes is forgetting how great our God is. How great our God is. I don't know if you've read either of these, but I'm giving them to you. 
And Vanessa, you're part of the team. My wife recommended this one. Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship, written to ladies. And we're so grateful that both of you are here and that I'm grateful that Paul thought about an installation message, made it easy this morning to share. Not always so easy to be self-disciplined. Not always so easy to continue, but very possible. We're going to do one last thing, and that's this. I'm going to ask you, if you can, to listen to the whole thing, stand up, and we're going to make a circle around the chairs, and the Schaefer stay right there. A circle around the chairs. We're not getting too close to each other here and all that, but... <laughs> Um, I think we can do it, and I want us to have prayer for the Schaefers. And I'm going to ask the deacons and myself, and we're going to be by the Schaefers with our hands on Pastor Schaefer, and we'll have a time of prayer for them. So could you help me finish that way? So let's get up and just make a nice circle around if you're able to.